Matt, how's everything, buddy? Everything is pretty good. It's cold and rainy today in Boston. I think it's the remnants of that hurricane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we had a lot of that this morning, and now it's clear and yeah. beautiful. So that's that's headed yeah. your way. You that's know what your way, do? Matt. They, they sink ships. Big, big boats go under the water. Oh, yeah, and then people miss them. They're very sad. Right? Then they say, I miss you. I miss you. Because <laughs> today... My name is Matt. I'm Jason. Uh, we started this podcast to talk about records because we listen to a lot of music and we talk about it all the time. We just decided we'd share our thoughts with you. Uh, some of the records are good, right? What about the rest of the records, Jay? Some of them are not. <laughs> What's the name of the podcast? Uh, we listen to records. And in we fact... We listen to records. We Sorry. listen. I have to do it. No, that's great. No, that's great. I love that. Um, I also, um, in honor of, let me see. Okay, in honor of Slint, I have a little theme song. You ready? Okay, here's our new theme song. This is a new theme song. Get ready, get ready. Okay, ready. All right, here it comes. All right, this is a new theme song. Be quiet, Matt. We listen to records, and you can listen to some records, too. I listen to records with my friend Matt, and he can listen to some with, with me. We listen to records on vinyl, or I don't know, all kinds of different stuff. And sometimes they're terrible, sometimes I hate Matt's records. I'm sure he doesn't like some of mine, some of mine are even records. But why don't you listen to this show and then go listen to the records? Or not, or you can do whatever you want, or just forget it, turn it off. Listen to Spiderland. <laughs> I'm hoping by Slint. To, I'm gonna Slint is one of those bands. Dude, shut up. Slint <laughs> is one of those fucking bands that came and went before anybody really knew about them. Yeah, and seriously. this record, after the band broke up, goes on to change music. I mean, so many bands yeah. reference this album. It yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, let's let's get into some of this. I mean, the the history of Slint, the early years is is fucking unbelievable. Uh, you have uh, Brian McMahon and Britt Walford, who are arguably like this the core of Slint. Not and, arguably, I think they okay, definitely are the core. They are. Of Slint. They definitely are. They go to school with Will Oldham and his brothers. Right. This is in Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. The, the music center of the world in 1988 when they're 87 when they form the music center of the world that was sarcasm I guess for them uh, that was sarcasm yeah and uh, and you know I, you know what's funny okay I just have to jump into this the, the history is insane but I just have to jump into uh, how they they I mean it's it's like the perfect uh, uh, what do you call it arc for me because they're in all these punk bands with random friends in high school that actually I mean go somewhere unlike anybody else's but let's just say like yeah you're you're in these punk bands in high school and then you get into college and you and you sort of like are definitely growing up and you have a lot more time and sort of ideas are changing and that's when you get into your Spiderland way of thinking and of doing things you know it's like it's like kind of like the i don't know i just i got that from from reading a bunch of background of these guys of like yeah that's kind of exactly the trajectory of pretty much everyone's sort of musical experience that i knew was like yeah go go all punk and just get crazy and don't worry about the you know the actual skill of anything and then you get into college and go like hey gonna take some I'm gonna take some time with this and then you start to go in weird directions and do sort of like I don't know sure that's just the way but I mean the you know you and I uh, watched that documentary called breadcrumb trail yeah which I came with the the spiderland reissue right yeah so yep. you know what I was um, looking at today was the box set that was on touch and go that I don't know sure. why I didn't get man that is unbelievable the demos and stuff that are on there and like the basement session tapes that they sure. put on vinyl God well but where damn. I'm going with this like the the story of this band really is about Brit the drummer 
you know, uh, yep. in, in, you know, kind of starting this thing, um, like playing these crazy drum pieces, these like nonsensical sort of drum parts, and then bringing in Brian and David to start like making sounds over them, right, more or less. Yeah. Um, and then Ethan, a little bit later on, he only played on the first record. Um, he doesn't play on Spiderland, which is the second record. Um, excuse me. Um, but then what they start doing because they're in high school, like David was in high school when they're doing this. I think Britt is too, and they're well, playing that- in their in mom's basement. And uh, David Paho, who would go on to have this amazing career, uh, Papa M, and uh, he would play with uh, Billy Corgan and Zwan. Um, yeah. You know, Paho starts just doing this like letting the feedback go, letting the notes hang, this like dissonant sort of like floating ethereal sound. And McMahon is just kind of layering in these like rhythmic things underneath it that are going back and forth over the what Paho is doing. And they just like this wasn't a sound people were doing. Start and stop, like like the well, whole what would become grunge thing. Nobody well, was doing that. The the dynamics of Slint are definitely what what make them sort of stand out in 19 I mean this is 1991 when this was released so they're right. recording this in 1990 but but uh, and, and Dave Pio talks about like how he was really he came from like a metal sort of like super guitar background of you know just I mean he was a, a real guitar you know one of those guys that you play with that you're like Jesus Christ like just super skilled from 15 he dropped out of high school because he wanted to practice guitar like he, he was he was annoyed he could only play six hours a day when he's in high school. So he says, he tells his mom, forget it, I'm done. I, I need to practice all day, every day. So he does that. They, and they find this guy and bring him. And at this time, they're in like, you know, uh, they're, they're kind of um, punk rock era of, uh, what do you, like Squirrel Bait? And what, what's the other sure, band? Sure, sure. Maurice uh, was another one uh, that Kong. I think they were doing. Right, so they're so they're in the middle of this, and they're like, "Here comes this guy who's like obviously incredible," and, uh, um, but but during uh, the Spiderland stuff, when they were when they were in uh, somebody's mom's basement, they really like, um, I think it was McMahon who was like, tr- having to like he really, I mean, Dave Pio talks about how he was analyzing every s- second of those tracks. Sure, and, and he knew that he would always be questioning every decision that he made, and especially when it came to like being, being like you know leaning on the kind of like virtuosity kind of guitar stuff. So he was like constantly trying to come up with weird things that would that he sure. could get by him that would work. So well, I think here, it's interesting uh, in that way that that he was tempering his kind of super guitar, you know, like skill. And and yeah. that's how that's what how this comes out of that. Well, I think let's it's really um, cool. let's pop on some music. We do listen to records. Um, yep. There's only six tracks on this bad boy. I mean, each one's an amazing amazing track. They're all, you know, north of five minutes. Um, some as long as nine. So uh, I don't know. What do you want to listen to? What are you feeling? Let's Donna see. Man, let's Nosferatu see. Man, Breadcrumb Trail. All good tracks. What do, what do you got? Donama. Donama. Play it. Side. 
So interesting about this album, yeah, is how they really play with the tension of expectation, right? You know, you've got a rock album, yeah, and you know that like it's gonna get loud eventually, yeah. But like how they creep up to it and then pull back and creep up to it and pull back, yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, this um, this is their second record. Their first record, Tweez, yep, was produced by Steve Albini, yep. And I believe, I don't know if it's the first album Steve Albini uh, produced, but it's definitely no. early in his producing career. And of course, he would go on to produce some of the biggest records of the well, 90s. Well, literally, he recorded Surfer Rosa like two months after after Twees. Right, the Pixies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he says like he was, you know, a lot of the stuff he learned from Twees, he took, he took to Surfer Rosa and vice versa. Sure. And, and you can hear, I was going to even say on... Uh, maybe it's not Donamon, but there, there's a, I forget which track, just has this like really tinny, thin distortion that's super crunchy. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is completely um, big black. One of my, I know this you know? show isn't about Tweez, but one of my favorite right. things about Tweez, the song titles are just names. And I right, always thought, okay, right, that's right. funny. That's yeah. just weird. And yeah. one of the names is Nan Ding, which I always thought was funny. <laughs> um, but then when we were watching that documentary, it, it came out that, they just they didn't have titles for the songs, so they just named the songs after their parents. Oh, that's right. Which I was like, oh, that's awesome. That is um, that's funny. But where where I'm going with that is, um, Tweez was their first record, and just like every band, you've got a long time to prep your first album, right? And like the vocals, the lyrics, the sort of layering was all sort of thought through in in Brit's basement long before they recorded that, right? Well, but I, I think I think. To to talk about Tweez, you have to go, you have to even go back further to to those those punk bands that they were sure. in, which which went such crazy places. I mean, for example, Squirrel Bait, right? Is uh, I don't even think so. Dave Pio is not even not even in the picture yet, and Homestead Records is already like you know ready to release this band. Bob Mold hears it; they give a copy to Bob Mold. Well, they see him somewhere and he's like connection and he's like i I love this and he tells homestead records like yeah these guys are awesome and some article comes out where they go coming soon on homestead records is squirrel bait and homestead records is like who the fuck are these guys (laughs) so they put out their record and then that where 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 i was going with that line of thinking though is spiderland which would go on to become their 
critically acclaimed, super famous, amazing, world-changing right, record. Right, right, right. Um, they sort of just got in the studio not fully prepared. There was there was a lot of like trying to figure shit out as they were recording for Spiderland. For Spiderland, I disagree. Um, this, is, this is all. I, well, I, have, is, I completely disagree. Well, this is what they were talking about in the documentary. So uh-huh. I I will go with the members of the band on this no. one because specifically Brian McMahon talks about the fact that he got totally fed up with how they were writing a certain song and he just they didn't have any lyrics at that point he didn't have any idea what the vocals were going to be and he just went out and sat in a truck in the parking lot and wrote the vocals and recorded them on like a handheld tape recorder and so like the vocals weren't written like as they were writing the song they were like written after the songs had been produced and there was like this gap in the track which I think is interesting. I think it's it, the disconnected, weird, abstract sound of this record in part comes from that, like the way that they constructed it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess my impression, and I was reading that Spiderland book from Scott Tennant, the 33 and a third, and my impression, at least of the, the instrumentation, was that it, there were, it was months and months and months and months of breaking yes. down every note, every pause, every time change. But they did was, all of that without any vocals or lyrics written. Right. So th- so if you're talking about the lyrics they did on the fly, yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Well, and, but everything and also, else and and there's that there's that uh the you know switch there too of like yeah, well, why did they not do anything lyrically until the last minute? Until the last minute. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But also like even with um I think it's Nosferatu man, uh David Pio's talking about just how they had prepped that and then it didn't work when they started recording it. So even that, okay. even the months of prep on sure. that one had to be like tossed. And yeah. I, you know, the stories at this point, the band was kind of on the verge of splitting up as they're recording this. Well, like they, and they really recorded it in four, four days. Yeah. Four this, days so. sleeping on floors, living yeah. in cars. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just sounds like it was kind of a shitty experience. Yeah. Which, I mean, they did break up right, right afterwards, which yeah. I do feel like was sort of like, this inevitable putting so much of yourself into every second of this sure. record and then and then the idea of touring with it or something is like no yeah. way so they played a few live shows and that was it well, and i, I love and then the, the other weird part about this band is the only other major louisville kentucky thing going on at this point is will oldham right bonnie prince billy palace brothers and you know Brian McMahon basically jumped straight from Slint to Palace Brothers, right. um, which is, in terms of sound and style, a huge leap. Yeah, I mean, it makes, um, you know, again, it makes total sense going from, like, let's be punk rock high school kids to, like, taking right. ourselves seriously and then to, like, just going back to your roots, I sure. guess, after that. I mean, I do recall from the doc Brian's saying basically something like that. Like, he didn't think that Slint was mature enough or ready enough to like have the tour and put out the album and he wanted he like wanted to make money and grow up and like be professional sure and, and he didn't feel like they were there and that's right. why he, he kind of like shut things down and and you know what i don't think he was wrong i mean yeah. there, there's no even if they did actually go on tour take themselves seriously i mean it would have taken years mm-hmm. to get anywhere especially in 91 come the, on the the cover photo of this album you know, yes. if you're listening and you don't know the cover photo for this album, no. let's, look it up really quick. Let's um, no. It, no? I, I'm just I'm just thinking like if yeah. Anyway, go ahead. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that uh, I was just telling people to look at. The we picture. don't need. To, I know everybody knows the picture and everybody knows this record. Just go. On. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say the picture is taken by by Will Oldham. Yes, it is. Right. You see and the four members of, of Slim swimming in a in a quarry, and uh, the picture is taken by Will Oldham, which I just think is is interesting. It's awesome. Um, it's awesome. Matt. Also, you know, as I was sort of doing research for this, I'd forgotten about this, but you know, Kanye West is in the news right now because he's an asshole. Um, have you ever seen that video uh, from like the early 2000s? It's a music video for a Kanye song and it's got Will Oldham and Zach Galifianakis yes. on the farm. Yes. What a strange thing that is. It totally is. It totally is. Um, uh, so why did this record okay. become such a big deal? Uh, I think because Steve Albini loved Slint and would push them and even their early stuff like because because where the, the I think that these early connections are what makes Slint 
Like, for example, going all the way back to Squirrel Bait, being on Homestead Records and the Bob Mold connection, they're in high school. They are in high school. They then have that side project called Maurice, which has Dave Pio in it, who, uh, okay, so, okay, so then Squirrel Bait releases something on Homestead. Bob Mold talks about it in Spin Magazine. The review in Spin is favorable. And meanwhile, Maurice, that other project is still happening with, with members of what will be Slint. And uh, the Misfits want Maurice to open for them, the Misfits. So they go on tour. <laughs> they come back from so tour. I mean, they they come back start. from tour. And then uh, the Squirrel Bait release. I guess what I, but what Hold I'm on a second. Is, Hold on. Okay. This is important shit. Shut the fuck up. Then... They, they put out a full length on Homestead Records. They have to go out on tour with that. And, they, and, they, and they're still in high school. And then everything is, is over and they go off to college and start Spiderland. And all that stuff is like the, the Tweez stuff comes out of the weirdo stuff that Dave Pio and, and Mick Man were working on like that wasn't fitting anything else. And they took this crazy direction all of a sudden and the, everything, the other bands fell apart and they were like, we don't know where this is going. And then that becomes Tweez and Steve Albini records it for free, records a single of, well, of their other stuff too. So it's just like, I think it's like all of those crazy connections coming up with all but these none, other bands. None of that explains why Spiderland becomes the album that thousands of bands afterwards would reference. It becomes the, you know, the the most sort of quoted, the most sort of influential thing to come out of the late 80s in a lot of ways. Like all of the sort of grunge sound, all of the sort of, you know, post hair metal sound in some way all of those acts say like Spiderland was a huge influence on me. Spiderland, Spiderland, Spiderland. Yeah. Why? What what is it about this weird record that connected to people? Yeah, I think time? I think it's the you know, I think it's that uh huge divide between sort of just punk rock and then just growing up and doing something yeah. more like more deliberate I mean, and with patience and taking your time and like, I mean, you know, it when, sounds like nothing that was coming out of that period. Like it doesn't no. sound like punk or metal. It doesn't sound like, you know, hair metal or rock or whatever. It has elements of all of those in there. And it's got this crazy vocal style that's more spoken than sung. It's got sort of this loud, well, quiet. Let's let's agree that the, the vocal stuff is definitely like an after an afterthought. I mean, literally yeah, on the back of the record, they say like, "Interested female vocalists, please contact." Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Because but, but it was all like, we don't know what to do with this. But if if the vocal styling wasn't working, we wouldn't be talking about this record, right? Like that weird disconnect well, between like his vocals just floating over this like crazy thing. Let's listen to Nosferatu, man. Okay. Let's listen to some music. Thank you. 
It would not surprise me one bit if, honestly, uh, just thinking about that helmet uh, episode that we did, yeah. If if helmet literally took that section, and, and we're like, it. we want that like thin, high end snare, that that slappy snare sound, and just sure. crunchy, super gated guitar. You know, I mean, it's like literally that little section is like, am I listening to? In the meantime, what's going on? Um, right. And I think, By the way, I have just have to say, uh, I know everybody loves uh, "Good Morning Captain" off this album, but I think this is probably my favorite track off this record. You know, every time I think, "Oh, is "Good Morning Captain"?" Real? Yes, it is. No, it's, it's the best it's, song. There's, by a, far. there's a great quote. There's no, I'm just looking at Wikipedia right now. Yeah, um, this is talking about Tweez, but I think they carried that sound forward. It says during mixdown, Walford requested that Albini quote make the bass drum sound like a ham being slapped by a catcher's mitt. Nice. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that he, Steve Albini, for everything that he did, did not engineer this record at all. I know he didn't have anything to do with it. It's but I weird, think he, and I, I th- think what they did on Tweez really influenced the sound. That um, absolutely, I'm sure they took a lot of that forward. But it's just funny that like, and I think he was doing like a Jesus Lizard session or something. Sure. He said at the time. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Everybody else in this band is doing like good weird crazy stuff i mean Britt walford would go under a fake name and play with the breeders right well that's talk what that's what i wanted connection. to say about like their influence like when you talk about like oh why why does everybody say you know point to this record and and part of me wants to think well i can't think of another band whose members went off in so many different directions tortoise for carnation you know you have that sort of jazz kind of post-rock thing happening mm-hmm. then you have uh you know like you were saying papa m and all of that stuff with the Pio, and then you had like well bill oldham goes to do his stuff and sure. like so well then you have is, the shipping news which is that sort of like, right right yeah. so my point is like is all of this that uh influential or is it just because slint has existed in some form like pretty much through every great band in the history of sure well indie rock. Think, <laughs> like it's it, hard it, to it, say it, you know what it, i mean but but it's <laughs> they're like, like the forrest gump of uh sure of, uh, but i also <laughs> think like <laughs> i think like when you would read articles in the 90s like in maximum rock and roll yes, or you'd read yes. interviews with kurt cobain or whatever yes. he didn't say i'm influenced by brian mcmahon i'm influenced by tortoise I mean, he would say right. spiderland yes. is the record that changed how i thought about music well, so okay. It's it's the record. It's not. I mean, the tentacles, no, no, I hear you. the, of the course, history of, of the course. band, where the people I'm just, went, yes, is yes, great. Yes. But it's the record that gets right, referenced right, over right. and over and over. Well, okay. Let's let's go back. What? How did you tell me your first encounter with Spiderland, or how did you come to this record? I came to it late. So I knew about Slint. Okay. Because. In the pre-internet era, how did you find out about music? Right, you read Rolling Stone or you read Maximum Rock and Roll. What did you or, read? Or, or, what did you read? What did I read? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Whatever you had at your house, man. Okay. That's where I, I just, learned I most curious. about music was yeah. like hanging out with you. So I just remember at one point being in your basement place on Bushwick there yeah. on that that with the the limos outside and all that stuff. The limos. <laughs> and we were listening. I remember right, my like, fancy. Like you, not your limos. You know where like all the, the limos, limo service. All the limos. <laughs> I remember, do you remember that one limo that used to park out front of your place that people would rent and it had a sticker in the rear view, wi- mirror, like the rear no, window? No, I don't remember I, told, I took a picture of it because I was just like, what? <laughs> so this is like you'd rent a limo to go to like prom or something like that, I your guess, wedding, right? Yes, and it had yes. a sticker across yeah, the back wedding. window that said, let's do 69. Oh my God, I <laughs> And I was don't like, why this. would I rent this fucking car? I don't remember this at anyway, all. That's so funny. So I remember sitting there, like, I don't know, we were, we were hanging out. I forget what was going yeah. on, but um, I remember... Like it was yesterday. Like Fugazi was playing, and I was reading Maximum Rock and Roll, and they were they were talking about some album that you know I was interested in right, buying or I just right. bought, and um and it just kept comparing it to Spiderland. Like yeah. oh this track reminds me of this track off Spiderland, right. and this sound is like you can tell that the producers were really influenced by this part of Spiderland. Right. And this and I just I remember flipping through and, and counting like ten or twelve references just in this one issue, of like oh this album doesn't sound like Slint at all. Like that was a like a criticism. Right. Right. Um, and I just and I was like, I have to know about these. Who the fuck is this? Right. Why is everything being compared to, to this band and to these albums? And wow. I remember going back to Boston and the, you know, again, pre-internet, you had to go to the record store and buy, you know, try to find what they had. Mm-hmm. And all they had was that little three song 
like oh, after yeah. Slint had broken up, I forget what it was. It called. was like there's like a picture of a guy like laying on like a mirror yeah, like, or something, yeah, or broken glass, and, and it's like and it's like alternative. Yeah, what is that? It was like like different mixes of tracks off of Tweez. And oh, that's weird. I, I remember that cover. I don't remember yeah. that record. That's crazy. So so that was my first exposure to Slint was this sort of like po- yeah. posthumous like three or four track release that they had because that was all I could get in right. Boston at that time. Right. And then, you know, later on, maybe a couple months later, you know, I had friends who had the other albums and they're like, oh, you you like Slint here. You should hear this thing. You should hear that thing. So, you know, it kind of crept into my life. But I just remember this moment of like every page I turned to yeah. in, in any music magazine, it was like every album was being compared to Spiderland. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, that's that's definitely how I mean, because I knew there was a point there was a point where I was in college ish where I was like, I don't know anything about music. Like, I just sort of was like, fuck, I have no idea. I mean, I've I followed a lot of stuff, but I just I guess I encountered people and moving to the city where I was like. Oh man, I have no idea what's going on, and and so I was really like big into like um, Fact Sheet Five and getting all those just zines, like just any music scene, and and just always reading reviews and whatever, and knowing nothing about any of those bands or any of those albums. But you're right, things pe- just in people's writing, things yeah. would come up. I mean, um, I would say I I got really into these guys around 99 or 2000 so like 10 right. years 9 10 years after this came out but you know I was living in Chicago I was in grad school and I think I was like I was a little bit older and I was in grad school I was mentally like wow. moving into a okay. more complex or mature place yeah and I think my like capacity for music that required more patience yeah was was opened up right like I was no longer just listening to like you know, this is the same time that like unwound leaves turn inside you would come. Right. right? Yeah. You know, so just w- as as listeners, we were moving from you know the new plastic ideas version of unwound to the uh, the leaves turn, and I feel like just mentally, I was more willing to spend the time it takes to find how awesome this record is. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I could see in high school. I don't know that this would have really hit me the same way. The same way that unwound did, where I was like. Yeah, I like this, but it didn't like all the nuanced stuff was way beyond me, which this might have been. I I don't know how I found this record. I think like you, a lot of people referenced it a lot and eventually I ended up spending the 10 or 12 bucks to get a copy of it sure. and, and go just give it a listen. Well, this is but I, I the, do the remember for I, me of um, sorry, of just like um, because you didn't have the Internet to try things out. You just go to the store and buy a CD or a tape and hope to God it was worth your money, right? Well, and you'd give it a lot. You you would make it worth it. You know, there right. there are definitely albums I listened to a lot just because I was like, I need to decode this. I need to find out why it is important. You know what I right. mean? Like, what what do people care about with this record? And I think that's probably how um, Spiderland or even Tweez started out was that same like man, everybody talks about this. What's going on with this? Just like Loveless, I have to say, that was another like, sure. what's going on here? You know, everybody mentions this. I gotta, I gotta get into it. Um, also, so just really quick, because I'm yeah. scrolling through Wikipedia looking at, you know, fun facts about Slint, because there's so much good stuff out there, even though they were only around for two years. But this is a fun little fact. Um, they named, the name Slint is actually one of Brit's fish. They named the band after his pet fish. Yes. Which I think is funny. Um, hey, call out to one of our listeners, uh, Sean. He sent us an article he'd written about this. Jay, do you want to talk about that? Yes. Friend of the show, Sean. He's He is, I want to say like, um, you know, Steve Albini would, would appreciate that. He still is writing about music in the age of like, you know, the only people doing it really care. So, uh, and he is a fantastic writer. He wrote something for No Ripcord about the box set um, that came out, where, where he goes through a lot of the tracks that were on the box set. Um, and this is from this review is from 2014. But um, he's he's written in um, to tell tell us about um, a bunch of stuff on a bunch of different episodes. And we hope to have him on in the future, Sean. So get ready. Sure. But um, he, and uh, he, Jay, you'll you'll share a link to this article out on Twitter after we post this. Oh, absolutely, cool. I Thank will you. So uh, share it. 
at the end of the show, we'll let you know what our socials are, but you can check out a link to Sean, uh, Sean's article on Twitter. Totally. And he writes for a bunch of stuff. Mostly letters from a tape head is his like personal kind of thing where he writes, but, um, yeah, he's, he's awesome. And he was super psyched about us talking about Spiderland. Um, and yeah, we hope to have him on, uh, sometime. Cool. You want to start, you want to play. Good morning, yeah, Captain. Yeah, let's listen or to. Or we uh, have to no, wait? We'll, we'll let's we'll play out on Good Morning, Captain. Let's listen to um, Breadcrumb Trail. The I first track, Breadcrumb Trail. Let's hear this thing. Sometimes, like when I hear that that song specifically, I do think that, and especially now because we're doing this podcast, I couldn't honestly tell if that sounds so much like you to me, Matt. A a younger you. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy how much I'm like, oh, Matt's on this record? I love this. (laughs) So while we were listening to that, I was was reading a little bit. So, I mean, one thing that I, I, you and I both know is they did a reunion tour. So this band broke up before right. they ever toured on this album. Right. And support this album. Right. So they did a, a reunion tour. Right. And tickets were fucking crazy expensive. When was that, man? Like... Uh, 2007, geez. 2008. Wow. 
So you and I saw them here in Boston yep. Yep. Um, on their reunion tour. And what I remember about that is there's huge chunks of these songs where there's no vocals or anything, right? And at least when we saw them, McMahon didn't really play guitar or, or perform on most of the tracks. He just did the vocals. Okay. And it, what I remember is he did all of his vocals with his back to the audience. <laughs> and then when he didn't have parts, he just left the stage, which I thought was just like, it was like, it's the kind of anti-showmanship that a basement band from Kentucky would do yeah. in the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah, right. It felt really weird watching like a 40 year old dude. It was that. weird. It was very, it was a very weird show. I remember feeling like I really want to see this live and I love this experience and it is amazing, but it does feel is, weird and removed and uh, like, Sad. You know what I mean? Sad. I don't know. I don't know how to explain well, I, it. I, I want to I pick up another thread really quick. Yeah. Um, around the reunion, they put out the reissue of this album. Yes. Which was remastered by Bob West. Yes. Rusty. Right? So one, Steve Albini, who produced Tweez, yeah. and Bob Weston, who re-engineered this, are shellac. Yeah. And right. when last week when you put out three records for me to choose from, this was the one <laughs> I picked, obviously. But the other one was Action Park. That's right at Action Park, the, the Shellac album. Yep. So huge crossover there. And then I think more importantly, and a band that we have not yet talked about in this podcast, but I really think we need to focus on at some point, oh. is um, Rodan. Oh, yeah. Out of Chicago, which was their uh, Bob Weston's first uh, production job, um, produced that album. And Rodan was, at the time, I remember this very clearly, like, they were called The Next Slint, right? They were yeah. going to pick up the mantle that Slint had dropped yeah, right. and go forward. And, you know, Rodan puts out one album and disappears and basically becomes June of 44, which is great. Amazing band. Um, But that weird arc of like how how the same people turn up in this little universe over and over and over again. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, I wonder how much. uh, I don't know. Well, it's to your point earlier. the, The influence is both an amazing album but also like everybody who touched this thing went on to become huge that's the thing and, and i do industry. like I, w- I am trying to think like what does make this so and, and it is it is hard to look back when really i definitely came to it at least 10 years after it came out sure. but um it's also like being being told to go watch a movie that's influential right like you can't ever see it new or unbiased it, you're like if you were to go watch I don't know, Pulp Fiction for the first time. Yeah, no, totally. You're not going to see yeah. whatever it was that made it such a big deal in the 90s. No, we, we, we mentioned that last week with, uh, with um, what the fuck, with the strokes, right? It's like, yeah. it's like there's too much distance to come to it today and go, and I, and I maybe the same is true for Spider-Land, but the, the thing that I do always take away from it, even listening to it now, is the experimentation that's there in in time signature and in in unusual sort of instrumentation and and uh, ry- rhythmic structure and stuff. I always take away that from this record. It's like this sure. is sort of a very sort of like and and but has those maybe metal and punk influences in there. But it's taking and and maybe this is what Fugazi's doing with. Um, uh, the argument, maybe you know, they're they're oh, trying their, la- their last album. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of like, you know, going in like trying to push it. They're definitely pushing it and and into into almost like maybe a jazz or at least with like a jazz mentality of jazz like yeah. we're we're going to push these instruments. We're gonna push the like we're gonna push the craft of songwriting. Sure. And I think that's well, what I get out of this every time I listen to it. And what I think mu- everybody must have heard immediately was like, sure. this is well, unusual I, I the, and and is saying a lot about just playing I think music. as people mimic this album and take inspiration from it, I think a lot of the sharp corners have been rounded off. Yeah. Like one of the things that this album in, in particular asks of you is that you have to have a lot of patience. Yes. Right? Yes. Because like I was saying before, it, it plays with anticipation but not in that like anticipation delivery way. It's like I'm gonna really make you earn every like climax or change or like like moment. Well, right, um, right, and, and it, it really, really, really challenges you. And I think people learn that lesson, but they also like shorten the distance between anticipation and climax yes, a lot. Yes, I think that's yes. one thing that has happened. Yeah, this room, this album for having six tracks is has a huge amount of room. And uh, and yeah, it, it really it, it does take you through all those paces a lot like um, 
what was that album that you were talking about? Uh, Isis, maybe? Like, in a way? Oh, yeah. Where they do have these... I mean, you do have to really spend time with that record, you know? It, it, it gave me that kind of feeling when I was listening to that Isis record. It was like, yeah, you have these huge pauses. You have a lot of... you know, And, I, and that's how I feel about Godspeed, too, is like, you have to be sort of ready to, like, intellectualize this journey and sort of, like, you can't be passive and... It's going to take you some cool places, though, you know, and it's going to be like difficult and not easy. And but then you get moments like this, you know, where you can just like rock out, rock out. But you're like, I know this is going to end any second and they're not going to let me have this for like a chorus, verse, chorus, chorus, chorus. And this is like, this is it. And it's gone. Pretty much. But it's so, now, makes I, it so I much better. I this album. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to admit, like, as much as I love this album, and I've listened to it thousands of times, yes. I it's not in my regular rotation. Yeah. No, like, when I, when I when I went into my, you know, music library to, like, pop it on the other day, it wasn't, I'd, I'd actually deleted it. I've archived what? it. Because I just, I know. I just don't put it, it on all no, I know. deleted. I, know I've ar- I have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just not in the, like, the go-to stack, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because honestly, you know, being challenged by your music like this, you, sh- you should have a few things in there that you throw on from time to time that like make you sit up and think. That's, that's the thing. Like, and maybe, maybe this brings me back to Deerhoof too. Like this, I should organize, <laughs> I'm looking at all these records. I should organize music in that way of like, here's the easy listening as in, I know what to expect from this. It's going to give me this and I'm going to be happy. Here's yeah. the section that's like, I'm always going to get something weird out of this. I always have to pay attention to this. I always have to be a little bit ready or not ready. I just, this is sure. like homework. I need to listen to this. Well, the nice thing about doing this in a podcast good way. <laughs> is I get into like musical ruts. I'm definitely the type of person that'll have like the same four or five albums just on repeat over and sure, over. Sure, sure. And the nice thing about this podcast is I really, so much stuff has just gone into rotation now I like I'm way out of my musical ruts because it's like oh I don't have to listen to that same thing again I could throw on the strokes right. which I normally wouldn't have or right. I'm gonna go back and like make Spiderland part of my rotation for the next few weeks yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. that Husker Du album that we listened to which I love yeah right I'd moved out of rotation maybe a decade ago <laughs> and now I, I gotta tell you man I probably listen to Warehouse every single day That's awesome. now That's it's awesome. like fully back in in the mix yeah and then you know I mean I don't know if any of this stuff that I put on has made it into your like oh sure your no I mean it does you know, I, by I'm sure default. you're listening to the Smashing Pumpkins all the time now <laughs> no uh, but just just by the fact that we we're talking about it and that I know an episode's coming up or something I'll definitely sure. revisit it a bunch more than I have no in the I guess, last what I'm saying years. is after we record the episode they stick around you know I mean sadly I don't think I've put this on since we probably watched that documentary and then I must have listened to it for like a month straight but. It's just one of those records that, yeah, it's always going to be important and I should listen to more. I really should have it in an, in a section that's like, here's what you should be listening to. You know what it's like? Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll make another film example. Like there's that, um, there's that app like film threat or no film struck film struck that I have. Yeah. And basically they curate like really cool criterion sure, sure. or just interesting stuff. Not a sponsor of the show. No, no, no. But, uh, but like, not a pitch. and I, maybe we talked about this before, but like, for me, it's like, yeah, I can just go to Netflix and watch whatever show we've been like in whatever season of God knows what. Or I can put that on and go, I don't really know about any of this, but I know if I put on this movie or I watch this tiny little documentary extra about it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Let me see this and then watch it. And I'll feel so much better about my life. And that's sure. where Spiderland exists. Is like, well, there's, this is there's something a, I should just be forcing myself to listen to because it's so goddamn good i'm with you like i agree like you know i'm a film professor so i watch tons of movies but i it's always like i have to make a special decision to watch an old black and white film even though i know it's actually going to be better and i'm going to enjoy the story more and it's like (laughs) i keep relearning why is it like why is it like having a salad why is it like oh i guess i should do this i guess i should why but i don't want spiderland to be like that (laughs) I have to like model behavior for the students, but yeah, right, no, it right, is. Right. Sometimes you're just like, oh yeah, I really should. Yeah, each investment. Spiderland really is a habit. Spider-Land. Spiderland is a habit that I should get myself into and not have it be like, oh, I need to listen to this. It should just be a 
a habit like sure. the good so, the good things that you know are good for you well, <laughs> let's let, speaking of eating our vegetables let's do this let's either listen to a couple minutes of either washer or for dinner um and then we'll do the disclaimer and get on out of here let's do for dinner sounds good the other thing I, I always have to remember about this record is that this was all just recorded live in a room and that basically right. they would just take their their track list and keep going around if they screwed up they would just move on to the next song until they could until they did it completely through all the way and then they were like great we're done move on next track you know what i mean Which like is a crazy way yes of working. unbelievable so whenever i hear this these quiet slow plodding drum tracks and this little just ding, 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 guitar yeah, stuff they're doing that i'm just that. like this is all happening in the same room at the same time like and everybody's being very quiet everybody has to be like super aware of everybody else and they have to shut the fuck up and you have and you're just like i i know that feeling of like fuck come on let this work we can do this we can do ah, fuck all right let's do do another one <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. And you're like, like I know that feeling, and it's so like, like it, it just adds to that tension. Again, this the live delivery of this stuff is like another layer of. Uh, but you can tension you can feel on this that whole, in the performance. That's what I mean. Too. Like yeah. all of that anticipation, yeah. all of that buildup is like four guys looking at each other, yeah. you know, like like shrugging their shoulders, yep. like this you know, change is coming up. Wait, Here comes wait, a change. Wait. Don't forget the change. Yeah counting down the change right, you can see right. you know you can feel the like muscles tensing in the drummer's arms as he builds up to the you <laughs> I know, mean, like, Matt, how many times am i like looking at you like not yet not yet not, not yet, yet wait, not wait, yet wait, wait. And and it's like you feel ready. it feel One, it building to change you know what i mean like you just yeah. have that like <laughs> that i can just feel that on this record and i hear it every every uh every second all right all do right, the man, disclaimer you, do, you you want me to do it this week yeah. all right um slint Friends of Slint. Uh, we don't own the rights people, to this music. People, people of out, Slint. People of the world. Uh, we don't, people of Slint Town. We don't own the rights to this. Um, we are just here to talk about the music that we love. Um, so please do not sue us. Uh, we're just, you know, fans of music. We're not lawyers. We are not, need, you know, wanting to get lawyers involved in this situation. So uh, if you want us to take us down, if you think that we did a bad job talking about your record and you wish this to leave the internets forever, just let us know. Uh, Jay, how do people get in touch with us? We, at we listen number two, number one on Twitter, or records, 
at HarveyLovesHarvey.com or also on Instagram. We listen to records and uh, Facebookers. We are on Facebook. Um, also, Grandma. Grandma. Yes. Hey, Grandma. Go hey, check Grandma, us out come, on Facebook. Come to the Facebook All right. pages. Uh, I, knew, I also just want to say um, uh, Trouble in Mind Records would like us to know that Swiss duo Klaus Johann Grove is set to release his third masterpiece, Du bist so simmerect, October 26th on Trouble in Mind Records. And they put out a video and they want us to tell you that this record follows the inevitable path laid out by their previous album, incorporating the slinky jazz fusion lace grooves, populating late night clubs and braiding them together with the band's own blend of mutant electro funk. Pre-order Do Bist So Simmerich on Trouble in Mind Records. Your German is excellent. Thank you. Klaus Johann Grobe is an awesome band. I don't listen to them as much as I used to, but yeah, man, yeah. put on that sort of like it's like updated kraut rock. It's very, it's yes, fun. it's good. It's good. I'm into it. Okay. Um, All right. Well, well um, maybe we'll talk about them on a future episode. But uh, so last week you gave me three choices to pick from. Oh, yeah. I picked Spiderland. So that means this week it's my turn okay. to give you three choices, and you're going to pick something to talk about for next week. I'm ready. Fair? All right. So there's no real logic to this here. These are just three records I wanted to talk about. Um, there's no no nothing except that that's my criteria this week. All right? Yeah. Um, well, and, and also I'm trying to get more sort of um, female-centered bands in this. Not that the first one meets that criteria, but, okay. you know, we, there's not enough ladies on this show. So let's just I, say... I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about the ladies. That's true. But let's say, let's keep, we'll try to make this as diverse as we can. We'll try. Being very... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I've got a diverse selection of white people for yeah, you. Yeah, everybody knows where we're coming from. Yeah. Boring. Um, so, okay, you ready? Number I'm one. Ready. Number one. Wow. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> okay. No, I like it. <laughs> uh, 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 Ned's Atomic Dustin. Oh, God. Godfather. I... Uh, I'm gonna wait to hear the rest. I I I <laughs> I, I will say, uh, yeah. I, I I take. I will hold remember off those until guys, I. Though, right? I mean, kill your television. How can you not kill your remember television. that song? But maybe we should just do a mini about kill. Your <laughs> maybe television. we should. Yes, I don't that know if they better, deserve. Better. I don't think I could possibly. I mean, it's, it would really be pushing it to talk for. A, an episode length about Ned's well, Atomic. Some good stuff all right, well, that. maybe yeah, you would have to right. really tell me because I don't. No, maybe can't I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe a mini about Kill Your Television. Possibly. But anyway, that's your first choice. All right, next. I'm guessing you're you're a no on that one. So we'll we'll see what happens. Next. Well, it you're depends ready? what these other two are, but yeah. Number two. Okay. Number two. Um, Times New Viking. Oh. Dancer acquired. Oh well, their then. Last full length. Well, this is this one is the number one so far. Um, yeah. I like that Tattoo. I, uh, I don't know that one specifically. I think I came to them that first one with the peace sign on it or whatever. Uh, rip it off. Man, I love That's that record. That's a great fucking record. And we now, saw Dancer them. Acquired is like, is just like everybody else, it's like they're much more mature. It's their yeah, last yeah, album. Yeah. It's much more complicated. Yeah. All right. Uh, I love that record. That's awesome. No, that's a good pick. I'm into, I mean, obviously that's, I'm taking that over. And that's sure. how it does, but, All right. but uh, well, what else? Let's, let's see how you respond to number three because I may have, uh, I may have, uh, Loaded the deck here. Number three. All right. I'm going to stop. Number three is yep. uh, Daydream Nation from Sonic Youth. Okay. Well, you just you just spider landed me. <laughs> right. You put that one on the table. There's not really no, any other, I can't. other choice. No, I can't. Save that Times New Viking, though. Yeah, um, I'm going to put that in rotation please. for my next list because I, I do love that record and I would love to talk about it. But yeah. um, over the summer... When I was up on my vacation up on Prince Edward Island, yeah. I reread the 33 and a third about Daydream. Nice. Um, I love Sonic Youth. It would be the first time we've done a band twice yeah, on would. the podcast. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like, I mean, every couple episodes we could just do another Sonic Youth record. Yeah, I don't care. Before. I love them. It doesn't matter. Um, all right. So is that what you're picking? Yes. I mean, it's kind of inevitable. Yes. <laughs> all right. So listeners, um, Hop on Daydream Nation. Get on your uh, silver rocket. Head off to a dystopian uh, future yes. full of, um, you know, sonic youthy noise landscapes and a weird phone message from Mike oh, Watt. Yes, that's right. In Providence, Rhode Island. I forgot about that. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a great track. So we'll be talking about all that stuff next week. Sonic Youth, 
Daydream Nation right here on We Listen to Records. Jay, why don't you play us out with the most famous track off of Spiderland? Good morning, Captain. Yes, sir. I'll do that. And then Matt, and then Matt got stopped talking and he went back to his regular life. He turned off the microphone, he put the mixer away, he stopped recording. And then Jason sat down to edit and put post this up on Fetch. And then from behind the edge of the windowsill, there appeared the delicate hand of a child. His face was flushed and timid. He stared at the captain through frightened eyes. The captain reached for something to hold on to. As he rose slowly to his feet, the boy's face went pale. He recognized the sound.